Horses on our roads. This is Wheel Life. Legal reflections on vulnerable road users. The podcast where two experienced lawyers, who also happen to be enthusiastic cyclists, chat their way through topics concerning cyclists and other vulnerable road users from a legal and insurance perspective. Hello, I'm Emily Formby of 39 Essex Chambers. And I'm Caroline Hall of DAC Beechcroft. And in this episode, we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Alan Hiscock, the Director of Safety at the British Horse Society. So Alan has a background of some 26 years experience with one of the biggest mounted police units in the world, uh, 12 of them as the Chief Equitation Officer. Uh, And in that time when he was in the Mounted Police, he trained officers all over the world for various large-scale events, including the 2011 Super Bowl, uh, the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, uh, uh, and the um, 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. So I have to ask a couple of questions about dressing up as a Mountie. Anyway, uh, Mounted Police Operations and Tactical Commander at some of London's biggest and busiest events and demonstrations also kept him occupied on our shores uh, but when he hung up his uh, police spurs uh, he took on the job na- which he now has of the British Horse Society um, Director of Safety and it's in that role that we're delighted to welcome you today. So hello Alan. Hello thanks uh, very much for the invitation to um, yeah, talk about all the work that the British Horse Society is doing on the roads. I think that would be really exciting. But before we do, I do have to ask you a little bit about, as you say, some of that um, uh, CV on your uh, in your Mounted Police experience. Did you get to dress up as a Mountie? Did you work with the Mounties when you were in Vancouver? Um, well, I worked with the Vancouver Police themselves, the City Police, who have a, a Mounted unit, and also the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, so with the red tunics and the Stetson hats. And... I was really privileged and lucky enough to go to their training school um, where they train all the, their horses for their musical ride and was able to um, take part in their world famous musical ride. So, yeah, it's, um, it was quite an experience. Oh, that must have been excellent fun. And talking about musical rides, I, I know that when you were in the police, um, the mounted police in, in the UK, uh, you worked out at Imber Court down in Surrey, where every summer uh, there's a magical, or there used to be a sort of magical um, uh, police horse show that as a child I used to go to every summer. Um, and um, the um, one of the things that I particularly remember uh, you policemen doing was a sort of striptease horse ride and you'd kind of gallop round and round the ring with the music of the stripper going and take off your police jackets and then take off your saddles <laughs> while you were galloping round and round, um, which always struck me as truly uh, mind-blowingly brilliant um did did were you did you take part in that kind of activity yeah no, no i was um uh, i led the ride for uh quite a few years towards the end of my career we did olympia horse of the year show we went uh, abroad um and although it looks flashy and um you know aren't those riders um been able to take their saddle off as they go and over jumps uh, it, it's all to show actually the training of the horses so there's an awful lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to get the horses ready because you mentioned the saddles. Um, I mean, you don't normally take your saddle off as you're cantering along. So that is a totally alien environment for, for the horse. So there's a lot of training that takes place 
to get the horse to that particular level. So, yeah, lots of um, intricate movements and going, jumping through fire, um, but it's all to show how good police horses are. No, I'm sure that's right. And, and as a as a six-year-old with my ice cream watching the fun, it's it's important, as you say, to remember the, 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 the serious work that was going on in the background. But I suppose that also, um, feeding into your role now, is... Um, part of that very high level of training of horse and also rider and horse together enabled you to have that level of trust when you're working with your horses to be uh, very safe in all sorts of circumstances yeah the, uh, the, the the training of the horses was was paramount and it was you know, the horse trusted the rider and the rider trusted the horse in all sorts of uh, uh, particular um, occasions you know if we were in a demonstration or a riot or a football match or even just walking the horse around Trafalgar Square it takes that um, element of trust and the whole process of training a police horse is is something that takes time um, and it, 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 it's when you, when you see or think about a horse you know the, what they are flight animals and they will turn around and run away from anything they're unsure of and yet the police horses are standing in front of um, you know a very large football crowd or even at uh, the Notting Hill Carnival so it's um, it, it's a real sort of almost a, a, a sort of paradox that um, you know horses that are flight animals are standing in front of a lot of things going on when uh, they should be turning around and running in the other direction. Yeah, when I, when I was at school, one of the, my classmates, her dad was a mounted police officer. So we had the uh, we had the mounted police come to our school quite regularly. I think it was um, it was quite special. So I, I remember the police horses and how big they were. But my nephew, who grew up in the Highlands, had never seen a police horse before. And he's recently gone down to university in Edinburgh. And I got a message. We His father and I got a text message from him going, I've just seen my first police horse. And oh, my God, the size of them kind of thing. And he'd never been close to one before or seen one and I was like mm, maybe stay back from them they know what they're doing but they're big beasts and he's like yeah no I'm not going anywhere near and then my brother started telling a story about poll tax demonstrations in London when he was a student and coming across police horses kind of thing so if you're in the cities you you come across them but as I said my nephew from the Highlands had never seen a police horse or didn't understand how this horse could be in the centre of a big football crowd in Edinburgh I think it was a rugby crowd sorry and just be absolutely static because he he's ridden horses all of his life and he's n- never seen a horse that well trained well that's uh, that's good to know poll tax rights yes i was there and i was on a police horse so um i hope i met your um uh, was it your, your your brother or in a in a, in, in in pleasant circumstances there was something about running away but i don't think they'd done anything wrong or so he tells me now anyway maybe we'll just move on <laughs> But I think what's interesting um, um, from what you say about, as you as you say, Alan, about training that flight instinct as well as one can, because um, you know, we, um, Caroline and I, as you know, our, our, our legal background in, in personal injury and accidents, we only tend to come across any situation, and particularly horses, um, when the the flight instinct has kicked in. And one of the things that um, we've talked about in other episodes of, of, of this podcast, uh, looking at causes of accidents and, and, and how things have happened, is the fact that with a horse and a rider, you've got that sort of situation of two brains and and um, you've got two heads to worry about and, and, and two uh, 
sentient beings reacting to unfolding circumstances. And one of the things that um, we've discussed is is that need to always bear that in mind uh, when you're looking at you know how situations unfold. And I just wondered in your work for um, a safety uh, for across a, a, a rather I guess less well trained um, horse community. Um, how you tackle with your members or in terms of road safety that that type of issue? Um, we um, explain to, to riders they've got to be particularly careful of you know, the, the, the horse that they're riding and, and understands that um, you know they, they are flight animals. I'm, I'm you know I'm sorry to say there are some riders out there that just think they can chuck a saddle on a horse and put a, a bridle on and just go out on the road um, straight away without doing the, the preparation work. And I think it's really important that all riders try and desensitise their horse in some way, or when they do go out on the road, that they ride with a more experienced horse, um, perhaps take the insides. I mean, that's how we train police horses. We had an experienced horse on the outside and the young horse on the near side until you know they're confident that their horse will be okay on the roads. I mean, of course, uh, you, know, you cannot guarantee that nothing's going to happen. Even a, a, a police horse will react to something. You know, I don't. I don't believe there's anything um, uh, that you, you can say is a is a bomb-proof horse. It might just be a flick of an ear or a movement of a muscle. But we're always saying that yes, there's lots of work you can do at your stable that we yeah, that, that mimics the training of police horses, but will make it a much more pleasant and a less challenging ride. Uh, when you go out onto onto the roads, or even off road on bridleways. So, is there any is there any um, system of training? Um, um, I don't think there's any mandatory training for going on a road, but is there any sort of system of training people, or indeed horses, before they do go out on road, similar to you know bicycle proficiency or or that kind of training? Yeah, um, there's the BHS Ride Safe Awards, and um, I managed to uh, you know convince the De- Department of Transport to put that in the highway code that uh, newer inexperienced riders should consider taking the BHS Ride Safe Awards, and what the that award does is. Um, so it generates an awareness for a rider when they go out onto the road or when they ride on the beach or on bridleways because it's um it's all very well going out for a nice pleasant ride you know the sun's shining and you're chatting about the price of broccoli at Sainsbury's to the person who's alongside you but when there's something might happen and you're not ready for it or you're not aware of it or you're not even thinking ahead then that's when you know issues might start happening. So it's all about an awareness that our Ride Safe Award. And Mounted Police uh, are taking it. The Greater Manchester Police have taken um, uh, the BHS Ride Safe Award, as have Lancashire Mounted Police. And I know the Metropolitan Police are looking to incorporate it into the training of, um, of new recruits into, uh, into the Mounted Police. So it's a very worthwhile uh, training exercise and you, you can't get enough training I mean even when I go out on a ride now I'm, I'm always thinking how can I do this how can I do this better so training really is, a, is an important element so so what are the key hallmarks of the ride safe what are the key sort of takeaways that riders ought to have in mind when they are particularly when they're on a road when they're going to be encountering motorized vehicles well, I, I would say that awareness. So you are always looking ahead. You're always looking to the side. Is that dog going to start um, 
uh, you know, running up to the gate um, and start barking at you? Is that car door going to open? Is that chainsaw going to start over there? Um, looking behind you, checking the, the, the traffic uh, situation behind and always being aware. That's not mean to say you don't enjoy your rides, but you have that uh, awareness and having the horse's attention at all times because you've got the horse's attention, you've got the horse's respect, and then you have the horse's trust. But it runs through everything about um, you know wearing conspicuous clothing, high vis clothing, um, about what uh, equipment you can you can put on the horse. But in in everything, I would just sum it up by saying awareness. Yeah, well, I had a look on your website and was looking at the different um, sections: advice for riders, but also advice for cyclists. I cycle quite a lot at, at weekends with friends and in group rides and things. And one of the first things I ever got told is exactly one of the things you've got in your advice for riders as well, which is. Um, show courtesy to drivers a smile and a nod are enough if your hands are full and it's one of those things about the respect for the, the horse rider to the cyclist cyclist to the driver the driver and everybody just being aware of each each other on the road so yeah one of the first things i got told is make eye contact and have a smile and that that can take you a long way absolutely it's um it's, it's very important you know i think somebody said if you haven't got mutual respect then you've got trouble and i think that's the, the safe uh, the, the way you look for riders with cyclists or um, car drivers and and getting that that mutual respect is what I think we all strive after and, and that, those are the lines that run through the highway code um, is having that respect you know everybody's got a right to feel safe on the roads but if you don't respect the horse rider if you don't respect the cyclist or the pedestrian and indeed the drivers you know we, we, there's, there's that mutual respect and responsibility as well that's another thing that in the ride safe awards there's there's certain responsibilities that riders have when they go out onto the road and it's all very well that we are saying drivers we'd like you to do this 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 and this but then when riders go on the road you know there are elements in the highway code that um we'll, we'll keep we'll keep riders safe it's there to make sure that riders are safe and drivers are safe so that mutual respect, as you've mentioned, Caroline, absolutely right. So that's really interesting. I come back on to the um, dead slow campaign in the highways code in one second. But just what you were talking about then just made me think about the need, in a way, the emphasis on everybody having keen regard on what they're doing when they're on the road and I do wonder you know one of the problems um you know that I think has happened over the years is cars have become easier to drive and have become more and more comfortable you know when you had to change gear all the time you had to be quite on the ball to be kind of aware of what's happening or your car would store so as soon as you're in an automatic car I think it's easier not to pay so much attention and now you know increasingly in cars you've got um sat nav and your ability to make phone calls and you've got music systems and you've got this that and the other and that's increasing with the move to autonomous vehicles which are um uh, you know increasingly able to set your cruise control or in due course I- I- indeed um when we get to the sunny uplands of truly autonomous vehicles do the driving for you and all of those things reduce the amount of care and consideration and and acute attention that drivers have to pay um, to what's going on around them because it's increasingly being taken over uh, by machines. I just wondered what either of you thought about that or am I barking up a completely 
uh, wrong tree. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. I think when you you are on a bike, I'll, I'll, I can do it from the cyclist perspective, and then I'll pass it Alan on the the horse rider's perspective. But from the cyclist perspective, you are you haven't got headphones on. You're listening to what's going on around you. You're a lot more conscious of the bumps in the road. You can feel what's going on. You're changing your gears because you're going up a hill. You're, it's a lot more. You're in the moment, and I think that's that's how it affects me and if i'm coming up to a horse i'm paying attention because i can hear the noise it's making i can hear the rider's um conversation with the horse i'm concerned have i made enough noise or have i shouted out enough so they know i'm coming and past and you're in the moment and i think when i'm in the car i must admit i'm probably a lot less in the moment i don't know what you think alan yeah autonomous vehicles uh, interesting concept and if the programming is correct and they've considered everything and i'm not convinced and i still remain to be convinced that uh, the designers of autonomous vehicles have really considered um horses but i'm working on that and we can, we can touch on that a little bit later but um if an autonomous vehicle is uh, has been programmed correctly i think it could well be safer than a human driver because it will recognize the horse it will know it has to slow down to a maximum of 10 miles an hour. It will know there's the two metres gap, and if it hasn't got the two metres gap, then it won't attempt to pass. So I, I sort of um, have some interesting conversations with uh, with horse riders about autonomous vehicles. Some people sort of uh, say, no, 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 we, we, we can't have them on the roads, they'll be awful for horses. But if they're programmed correctly, then um, I think they, they could be safer when it comes to, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of channeling my, my thoughts on, on horses and uh, yeah, we, we've, we've had an event in, um, in Milton Keynes, they've got little starship robots that go out and deliver groceries from the co-op and we've engaged with starship robotics because there are police horses in Milton Keynes and there are other bridleways there and um, those little starship robots um, perhaps don't they, they, they know there's a horse there, but they don't quite know what to do. So we've had a, a, a great meeting and a partnership with them, and they're going to um, jig the programming of these these robots. So it's going to make it actually safer for horses and riders. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. If they're programmed correctly and the data's in there, I think it could be... Um, safer for horses. So that's quite an interesting point, in fact. So my proposition about not paying enough attention, actually it reaches its low point when you've got humans driving who get distracted. And then when you take the human out completely, if you've got a a, a kind of 100% keen being computer, it will actually be better than the dozy human being. Um, But as you say, it's all all about the programming. And I hadn't, I have to confess, I hadn't really thought about the very particular difficulty of horses because presumably if you have the sensors around the edges of the vehicle um, the horse if you just get the odd leg doesn't necessarily show up as a mass sufficient to um, register with the car is that is that one of the problems um, yes and and also they can they can program in a, a horse or the shape of a horse and it will recognize a horse what that we, we want to make sure that uh, the programmers have got and you know, we'll, we'll help them supply the data is when a horse starts getting a little bit agitated and starts sort of uh, on, it's on its feet and perhaps just slightly moving its haunches out a little way, then the vehicle must recognise that and actually stop. So it, it, it knows that the horse up ahead is not happy. It's not just walking along and there's the mass, it's going to go in a straight line at any moment. It might 
um, turn around. So I, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to talk to um, uh, manufacturers to say, how can we supply this data? So they, 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 there's no problem in recognizing the, the mass of the horse, but it's when the horse starts getting agitated or a little bit um, on its toes, then that's when the data input has got to be really spot on. So that car knows, or maybe I won't try and pass that horse at this particular moment. Yeah, sorry, that ties in with what I, I think I know about autonomous vehicles at the moment as well, is one of the main areas they have is they can recognise a pedestrian, but if a pedestrian comes at them from a slightly odd angle from what they're expecting or in a different kind of way, the programme doesn't know how to compute it. And it's that's the... The, the ongoing programming issues which add a horse into the equation and I can understand as you said why they need the data and they need to be able to um, assess the ve the very many situations it could come across. Oh that is interesting um, and I think um, it would be really interesting to hear your views Alan as well on um, I know that you've been spearheading the BHS dead slow campaign for quite some time maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and how it intersects with the new highways code that um, Caroline and I were talking about on the last episode yeah there was uh, there was an incident um, in 2016 where a, a horse was tragically killed on the roads and um, I I, I, I just sensed that there was a feeling amongst all equestrians that there needed to be a concerted campaign to educate drivers and inform them, guide them, persuade them how to pass horses safely. So that's when the Dead Slow campaign was, was started and we came up with the, the four messages, which is, um, if I see a horse on the road, then I will, and it's a, a behavioural change technique, you know, slow down to it, and it's now maximum of 10 miles an hour. So if I see a horse on the road, and it's not just a ridden horse, it's a carriage horse, or I, I would always say the semi-feral ponies as well, the Dartmoor, Exmoor and um, New Forest ponies. So slow down to a maximum of uh, 10 miles an hour, won't sound my horn or rev my engine. When safe to do so, I'll pass the horse wide and slow, at least two metres distance and drive slowly away. So we had those messages uh, and we were trying to push them and um, yeah, go to motoring uh, functions and speak to driving instructors. And then when the uh, the opportunity came to be involved in the highway code review, and that was a bit of a process to, to, to try and get in there, but we, we were in there and we can actually, and I'd like to pay tribute here to Cycling UK because they were very, very instrumental in getting us into the stakeholders uh, focus group. So when they started talking about horses, I immediately said, right, well, we've got this dead slow campaign. We've got messages that I think should go into the highway code. Why is it just pass a horse wide and slow? Wide to someone over there might mean totally different to another driver and what's slow. So I wanted some definitives in there uh, and I wanted some other extra um, safeguards, I suppose, or advice for, for drivers about the three brains working, about the fact it's intimidating to uh, when, when a, a car goes past. Drivers probably don't, you know, they don't want to be intimidating, but it is intimidating when you go past too, too fast or too close. So I was trying to weave the dead slow messages in into the highway codes. And I've got to say, with the support of Living Street, Cycling UK, DVSA and the Department of Transport, um, I'm really pleased with, uh, with, with the result. And I, I, I feel, and, and already, 
know, people are telling us that they've noticed a change in driver behaviour. And I can actually say that since the 29th of January, the number of incidents that have been reported to the British Horse Society actually has dropped by 23%. So I hope that's not a honeymoon period, but certainly those messages that are, uh, that are out there, um, some drivers are taking taking heed of. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things that all credit to you and your campaign that, and maybe it's because of the jobs that Emily and I do, but a lot of the things that have gone in the highway code now, I thought they were there anyway. And that's, as I said, because they're just common sense well they should be common sense and it's from the education campaign as you said you've done over the last six years that I thought they were there anyway and from cycling I, I know them a bit more but it was when you flagged up and then going back through the added words in and realizing actually no this wasn't in there before they weren't technically classified as vulnerable road users it was just a bit of a catch-all at the end kind of thing so no I'll praise you for doing that because you are it's cyclist horses horse-drawn carriages again and again within there and the fact that you've got the defined distance for the overtake as well because one of the overtakes for cyclists it's it's 1.5 meters up to 30 miles per hour and then at least that for above but they haven't put a distance whereas with you it's 10 miles per hour and two meters um so people have a definitive limit to hold themselves to so no that it, I, as I said, I just wasn't aware that it was in there myself. I, I, I actually started uh, in the, the safety department of the British Horse Society, and my, my line was, I thought horses were the forgotten vulnerable road user, and I think we were. But now I think it's actually come in, and we are alongside cyclists and uh, and also getting carriage drivers into the highway code a lot more as well because um, they, they don't have... Uh, a particularly easy time of it when when they're out there either. So um, yeah, it's it. I, I was asked um, straight away. You know, are you happy with the highway code? And how could I not be? Because uh, the British Horse Society pretty much got everything we we asked to be put into the highway code. So it's uh, it, it, it's 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 great. You know, I'm, I was I was quoted as I danced a little jig when the uh, the highway code came out on the 29th of January. So there you go. I think that is really good news, actually. And um, it's quite um, sweet. I mean, you say that, that you think that horses have been the forgotten vulnerable road users. And, you know, as you say, we can see that from the um, graphic that didn't have horses anywhere at all um, 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 until, you know, recently. And now we can find it on Instagram. Um, but it's right to say we've been talking about vulnerable road users for ages without having horses and um, you know it's an absolute delight to have you um, here with us and um, I think it's a real testament to, to your campaigning action and also actually that it's given specificity to speeds and distance for other vulnerable road users because of course that notion of you know precise distance and precise speed is a, is a really useful tool for other road users to um, be able to ensure that they're not um, you know, that they're not unwittingly causing difficulties. It's, it's interesting what you said about um, the, the sort of campaigning, um, I suppose, e energy that the British Horse Society has because the, the defining moment for us getting onto the Highway Code review was uh, a road safety debate that took place. Um, it's etched on my mind that November the 5th, 2018, where we lobbied MPs to stand up and ask the the then Transport uh, Minister 
why horses or could horses be put into the Highway Code review. And he said that um, uh, you know, he took his hat off to the British Horse Society because they are a formidable campaigning engine. And I've got um, the page in Hansard um, framed up on the uh, on my wall. Uh, so yeah, a formidable campaigning engine. So that was uh, that was a sort of defining moment, I think, in the whole dead slow campaign and introduction into the highway code. Well, that's great. I mean, that so that almost beats uh, riding out with the Mounties or um, um, what, what you know, doing the Super Bowl or whatever, becoming a formidable formidable force in uh, in Hansard. That 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 is quite a testament and. And and it is it is really interesting and and it's you know a real pleasure it's been a real pleasure having you um, come come to talk to us today and tell us a bit about um, uh, what you've been doing with Highway Code and also the, I think probably the last thing I just wanted to pick up on was you talked about reporting incidents as well and and your sort of work around that and, and that would be kind of I'd be quite interested just to hear a little bit more from you about what that is okay we've got our um reporting websites tool um and also we've got an app now that was um launched in march last year and riders can let us know about any incidents that they've had either on the roads or if it's with drones or low-flying aircraft or dogs or slippery road surfaces or fireworks. And uh, it's, it's any incidents that makes a rider go, if things have been slightly different, that could have ended up in an injury to either myself or, or the horse or an actual, you know, unfortunately, an actual uh, collision. So anything that makes the, the rider feel unsafe or the horse sort of reacts, then we need to know about it. And then when we have built up these areas or hotspots where uh, incidents have happened, we can then work with the police and uh, have close pass operations. I was on one yesterday with Thames Valley Police and the Metropolitan Police a a couple of weeks ago. Um, So we can work with them and that's plain clothes. Um, I was going to say plain plain clothes horses. You know, the horses go out with t-shirts and jeans on, but (laughs) plain clothes horses with plain clothes officers and then when a car gets passed too fast or too close, there's a traffic car further up the road. The driver's stopped, brought back and um, uh, you know, educated about now the new highway code. But also we're working with local authorities all around um, the UK where we're getting temporary signage put up that shows the 10 miles an hour, shows the two metres distance or just draws attention to the fact that um, we're asking vehicles to pass you know, slow and wide. So it's really important for riders to let us know where things are happening, then we've got the evidence, then we can go to the local authorities, the road safety partnerships, or the police. So it's helping the British Horse Society to help riders, and that's uh, the Horse Eye app. I think um, it's really interesting because Caroline and I obviously are involved in litigation, so we normally... Uh, see things after it's gone wrong um, and, and particularly when, when the, the focus is on m- rendering one person or other responsible to a greater or lesser degree um, because of course that's the basis of litigation, has to have an element of blame or it doesn't exist um, and what you're working at is at a much sort of higher level of, of, of information and education um, to preempt things going wrong in the first place which is um, very heartening to hear. I'm trying to um, you know, get the messages out there. And I, I always work on the premise, you know, tell me and I'll forget, show me and I'll remember, involve me and I'll understand. And that's <laughs> what we're trying to do, involve drivers. Um, so, yeah, we, anyone could say 10 miles an hour, two metres distance. But why are we asking that? 
So that's why we're talking about the horse's eyesight. That's why we're talking um, about how quick a horse can move. So they understand why we're asking them those those messages. And yeah, prevention is uh, far better than um, you know an incident happening that results in uh, an injury. Um, at the end of my road are three horse stables, and I've got a horse menage at the end of my garden. So um, I'm used to waiting for horses and. Uh, overtaking them around here but one of the questions i had for you in terms of obviously the um overtake wide and slow and the two meter rule is what about cars coming in the other direction not necessarily in a narrow um, country road but we've got a fast 40 mile an hour road going out of the village which horses will use to get to the bridle way and you'll have the drivers behind them hanging back waiting until it's safe to overtake and take overtaking but then you still have the cars coming in the opposite direction whipping along at 40 50 miles an hour and not seeming to pay very much attention to the horse because it's not on my side of the road so what what's your view and what, what should drivers be doing in those occasions well, i'm glad you asked that because that's something else that i actually absolutely wanted to put into the highway code so it actually says in you know, rule 215 that it's not just overtaking it's horses approach uh, cars approaching horses from the other direction and it's exactly the same they should slow down to that 10 miles an hour um, and give the, the two meters distance because um, I'm not, I don't know the exact um, sort of percentage but there have been a significant amount of incidents with horses with exactly how you've described it where the vehicle is coming towards them and passing you know fast and up, upsetting the horse so and by the time the car's been and gone they don't see the horse in the ditch they don't see the rider who's been unseated so uh, yeah very very good point I'm glad you raised it because um, again I, I sort of fought for that to be in the highway code as well so not just overtaking it's approaching as well so it's really giving horses a wide berth wherever you see them and thinking carefully about other road users um and um educating as as, as we go i mean as you're saying that the speed with which horses can move um, I can testify to that, having seen them galloping around in Bacoy. It can be pretty jolly pacey um, and, and turning on a nine pin as well. But um, um, I suppose the important thing is for care and respect of all other road users and particularly those amongst us that are a bit more vulnerable. But um, I think um, it's been a real pleasure having you with us today, Alan. It's been fantastic of you to give your time. And I, for one, have really enjoyed uh, catching up and having a chat with you about all things horse. Obviously, the vulnerable road user side, but also a lot of fun that can be had um, out and about on horseback and um, um, and indeed watching riding. So thank you very much indeed um, for coming to join us today. I was just going to ask Alan, um, as a cl- as closing remarks, you've got all of these sections in the highway code, you've, you've, you've danced your little jig. What's the next aim for you that you'll be dancing a jig if you achieve? One of the challenges at the moment is electric vehicles and the... Um the perception that they they frighten horses. Well, we're doing some work at the moment with Robert Gordon University up in Aberdeen and um, with electric vehicles and horses and finding out how they react. Uh, And early indications are that the horse hears and knows there's an electric vehicle behind it before the rider does. So there's a whole piece of work that we've got to do there about, again, informing um, and educating and trying to guide riders to really read the signals that their horse is giving them. So there's that and also autonomous vehicles. I really want to get to the 
the sort of the, the dust of it, they they're going to come in. You know, there's there's, there's no doubt about it. They are, they are going to be uh, part of our roads at some stage. And I just want to make sure that all the designers, all the programmers, have really thought about how a an autonomous vehicle will pass uh, horses safely. So that's. That's where I'll, I'll probably be, um, you know, holding a walking stick or something when I do the jig then. But so uh, we'll 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 see. We'll see. Well, maybe we can have you back um, and we can catch up on autonomous vehicles and horses because autonomous vehicles is something we talk about a lot, and e-scooters and the kind of future of of, of um, transport, as you can imagine. And it would be fascinating to hear how that all unfolds in the future. Um, and and yeah, let's hope that you haven't hung your bridle up by the time that that comes about and. Um, you're still able to we can all collectively dance a jig together how about that <laughs> thanks very much for the opportunity to, uh, to uh, it's been a real pleasure thanks a lot Alan bye bye see you next time Emily thanks for listening Wheel Life is brought to you by international law firm DAC Beechcraft and Barrister's Chambers 39 Essex Chambers discover more articles podcasts and webinars over at dacbeechcraft.com and 39essex.com.